All right, everybody, you have just tuned in to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. Uh, good to be back with everybody again tonight. We uh, continue along with this highly unusual period of literally no Steelers action. Um, of course, this would uh, be, be closing in on, on the actual dead period of the summer anyway, prior to uh, teams reporting to training camp. But um, as of right now, all systems are go, uh, despite uh, a number of uh, COVID cases jumping in many, many states across the country. But um, so far, so good. And uh, we're just going to keep on trucking and hope that it continues that way. Um, joining me are my usual partners in crime, uh, Ian and Ben. And uh, Ian, what are you drinking tonight? Because I know the fans want to know. <laughs> so I am drinking Rebel Yell whiskey. Um, okay. It's pretty good. Um, okay. it, uh, as a cost-benefit drinker, it has a very decent taste for the price that you get it at. So I, I it's see. not the best whiskey on the shelf, but it's also not the worst. And and this is good. This yes. is uh, a yes. good tasting, decent tasting, but cost-effective. Yes, this yes, is very good. Exactly. Uh, and Rebel, uh, yeah. uh, Ben, are you imbibing this evening? I think last show you were not. No, no, I just got home from the gym, man. I'm not drinking. Um, Jeez, that's I'm depressed. Yeah, you'll get over it. I'm trying I, to drop a few pounds. So oh, I see it is what I it see. is. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, I I hope things are well. Uh, obviously, for both of you, as we uh, continue to muddle through um, the uh, pandemic and any everything else involved with that. But uh, I know people are here to get away from all that, talk and hear and listen a little bit of Steelers football and everything that goes into it. So um, this week we did actually have a little bit of uh, quote-unquote action because Mike Tomlin did a uh, Zoom conference with the assembled media. Uh, I was not invited to that, which, um, yeah, I'm starting to get a little offended by that, but that's okay. I'll get over (laughs) it. Um, (laughs) In any case, uh, you know, he touched on a number of things. And and look, uh, I – I take great pride in in this podcast and our website because I think we are very, very in tune to what's going on. And yeah, I'll toot our horn a little bit tonight because some of the things that he talked about are some of the things that we had been uh, talking about as well um, in regards to training camp, in regards to some of the personnel moves that, that, you know, he claims are happening as camp approaches. So um, let's just get into those things. Um you know, so Ian um, Tomlin first and foremost talked personnel, and and that let's get into that first, um, and, and let's start on the defensive side of the ball because I don't know that this will take the longest, but uh, he said that Tyson Alalu, the 33 year old, um, would be the quote unquote starter at nose tackle. Um, any surprise there at all? No. Um, we've talked about this before, like yep. you mentioned on the podcast yep. and all of your driving and trucking references aside, you're talking about, you know, we toot our own horn. We're going to keep on trucking. So I don't know what you've been doing this past week. If you've been, uh, you know, watching planes, trains, and automobiles or, uh, what's up, Mark, but I, I, I'm going to give a shout out. I'll give a shout out to Bensberg. He, he's a trucker, I think. And he's always he referencing his truck stops. So I'll, I'll just give him a shout out. Uh, Benz is a great follow at any rate. Indeed. Um, 
So on the defensive side of the ball, you know, they're in the sub packages 74, 75% of the time, which usually means two defensive linemen. Alu start was essentially a starter last year after Stefan Tuick got hurt, um, played alongside Cam Hayward. He has the capability of basically playing anywhere on the defensive line. Um, That was one of the things that made him much more attractive than total joke Cam Thomas that preceded him (laughs) on the roster. Um, and, and he was a former first-round pick. You know, he, he was a yeah. first-round pick in Jacksonville. They yeah. used him as kind of an outside four-three defensive end. He's put on some weight over the years and Which slowed down dumb. a little bit. That was and he was miscast. He was completely miscast. Yeah, um, he was much yeah. better as a as a three-four end as the you know sort of five technique role. But he has the size. He has the bulk to slide inside. And remember that Javon Hargrave was not the biggest dude at nose tackle. He was not Casey Hampton in there. Um, he was more, I'll say, slippery on the inside. Um, and we talked about it a lot on this show that Hargrave was very capable of you know a quick move and penetrating into the backfield as a, a pass rusher on the inside. Yeah. But he could not plug the hole defensively against the run whereas alu alu can do a little bit of that so i think he can give you more against the run on the inside which anytime they're in their three four defense is probably what they're going to be facing is is a run formation because anytime three wide receivers or more are on the field you're going to be in your nickel package anyway so um that said i I have no concerns really about alu alu playing you know a handful of snaps every game at nose tackle the thing that does concern me is you're basically putting your top backup linemen, you know, mm-hmm. Alu Alu can play mm-hmm. for both Hayward and Tuitt. Um, you're, you're essentially putting your third defensive end in as a starter, which is fine. But if somebody gets hurt, then you're in a situation where what do you do? Right. Um, and we talked about this last year on the offensive line, actually, that, you know, they, they had Pouncey, um, and they had B.J. Finney, but Finney was also the top backup at guard. So if Finney had to go in at guard, and then what do you do if Pouncey gets hurt at center, which actually mm-hmm. happened late in the year? And you know there was a whole shuffling that had to, to take place. So um, there's not a lot of depth behind the top three on the defensive line. They have bodies, but they're not really they proven guys. Um, so we'll kind of s- see where it goes. And the the real concern is Stefan Tua just needs to stay healthy the whole year. It is well, honestly with uh, the, yeah. The, biggest concern on the team. with without saying for sure uh so so ben uh, i don't know this isn't really putting you on the spot but why other other than what ian pointed out and the fact that the steelers are are roughly in specialty packages roughly 75 percent of the time why have they moved away from the need for a traditional Joel Steed, uh, Casey oh, Hampton man, type don't, so cool don't you i mean don't you still want that type of guy if you're going to run a nose at any sis, uh, any point whatsoever, uh, yeah, you want that guy on obvious rundowns. That's about it. Now mm-hmm. the, the league is is a passing dominated league, and that's the game. So you you need a guy who can penetrate and create havoc, which is where Hargrave excelled. Um, yeah. and you know Alu Alu's not as good at that in that role as being a a penetrator as Hargrave was that said, I'm not concerned about him Hmm. being the starter at nose tackle. I I understand the point that Ian's making about the lack of depth. I think the, those guys are basically going to step up. I think they've got guys behind Alawala that they like, that they, they believe that if they play more will improve and probably improved over the course of last season. But more importantly, their third 
defensive lineman last year was Hargrave, and he also started at nose tackle. Mm-hmm. And then Stephon Tuitt went down, and so he became the second defensive lineman, and they were fine. The D-line performed very well. They were the best unit on the team, in my opinion, uh, better than the linebackers even, and the linebackers really excelled. They did great, yeah. but you know, you just had you had a kind of a weak spot over there when Mark Barron was in the game. Um, Still but, a free uh, agent, by the way. Is he? He is. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Um Yeah, so I'm not I'm not overly concerned about that. Um uh believe it or not, <laughs> Hargrave is heavier than Aluwalu. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. About ten pounds heavier, and he's about an inch a little over an inch shorter. Uh he had that gigantic ass, remember? I mean <laughs> gigantic ass and thighs. Um he was uh, thick, is what Craig, you're saying. Ben. Craig, well, what they the way he's been described to me is if you look at him from the waist up, he looks like he weighs 225. But if yes. you look at his legs, he looks like he goes about 360. And yeah, he had that gigantic ass and thighs, and he, he weighed a little over 310. Um, and Craig Wolfley used to call his ass his power pack, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but really, the thing that that makes Hargrave's game is that quick first step that yes. immediate step off the ball where it's like oh god I gotta catch this guy and you know it's real difficult to catch him on reach blocks for example he he defeats those very well um you are gonna get more of an anchor uh Aluwalu's a little stronger yeah. you're gonna get more of an anchor in those positions where you've got obvious rundowns uh but you know he does pretty well as a pass rusher he's not I'd put him in the same along at the same level with like a chemo von Olhoffen. Oh, good um, one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and I, yeah, great. They're, they're both Samoan guys, but that's not really where I was going <laughs> with it. I just, you know, I think that's about where the talent level is. And chemo, when he so played he's nose tackle. Joe Burrow's near, knee. Ooh, can you um, imagine? Hey, you know what? That was, that was Eric Steinbach's fault. It was absolutely. He, oh yeah, he blocked. He blocked Kimo he right. He shoved him down as yeah. he was as he was reaching for Carson Palmer, and his last. It was at his last step. He didn't have a chance to pull up, and he hit Palmer in the knee. That to me was Eric Steinbach's fault. Bengals fans can quit their damn sniveling about that. Everybody, everybody who knew Kimo at that time knew he would never do that on purpose, especially right. the guy he knew. He knew Palmer. They were teammates. Um, so, yeah, kind of getting back to what I was talking about a minute ago. Uh, they're kind of on the same level. And, yeah, Ian brought up the fact that, that Alu-Alu was cast as a 43 end for a little while in Jacksonville. Completely mm-hmm. miscast. He's better as a DT Agreed. or as a five tech. He can play. Yeah, basically he can play zero, one, two, three, four, five. Anything along the inside of the line, he can play it. But he's not really an outside guy. But, yeah, I, I, I'm not terribly concerned about it what i am excited to see is what carl dunbar what does with the other guys on the line this year uh yeah carlos davis isaiah bugs uh you know what what like you said there and obviously chris Chris warmly too um you know there's bodies but yeah i don't how do they develop i don't think carlos davis even makes the team i'd be surprised he's a nose tackle only yeah Uh, maybe maybe he pushes Big Dan McCullers off the team, and you know they oh, say, "Yeah, boy. sorry, Dan, you've you've been on scholarship long enough. It's time to move on." 
Uh, well, you know, first of all, we are in about the first 10 minutes of this, and I had no intention of hearing gigantic ass on the show, uh, let alone in the first 10 minutes, but but that was it's terrific. It's right in with our trucker theme, though. It, it does. Trucker, gigantic ass, power pack, uh, who knows what's coming next on the show, so stay tuned, kids. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Tomlin uh, referred to specifically by name Matt Filer. Um, now, Matt Filer has done a very good job uh, of playing right tackle. And, you know, most of us, I think, were kind of on the same page in terms of we think his better position is probably inside at guard. Um, and that's what Mike Tomlin said this week, is that experience is going to be very, very important for them with the fewer snaps, the less amount of time to get prepared. So they're going with experience, and they think that he is the best fit there at left guard. So let's examine that part first, guys, and then we'll kind of move over to the right tackle, which he, at least for now, vacates. Um, th- there's a lot of guys there at left guard. Is this a little surprising at all, Ian, that they're already talking about him being there? Not really. I mean, Stefan Wisniewski was brought in uh, with the potential of being able to play guard, but he can also be your backup center as well. Um, So Wisniewski kind of fills in that gap that BJ Finney left as the top backup on the interior of the line. There was some thought that um, Wisniewski may become the starting left guard, um, but Filer has familiarity with the system. He knows the calls. He Mm -hmm. knows the audibles. Um, he's played there before for one game last year, at least, but even the year before, I think he'd served as a backup, you know, kind of swing guard tackle kind of role. Um, Mm -hmm. so he, he is capable of playing on the inside. I think he's actually better suited there than at right tackle because he's not a big mauler in the run game. Um, he's a, he's a solid lineman overall, but he's not that, you know, traditional right tackle. That's just going to plow you over, um, to, you know, lead the way for, a big run bouncing to the outside um he did get beat by some guys uh last year you know he Mm -hmm. he struggled in a couple games um and i think they have guys on the roster who at least their body type is better suited to being a tackle um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i think filer to the inside gives you more stability on the line because he's used to playing with these guys he's used to the calls he's used to the audibles it gives wasniewski time to kind of learn what those are if he has to step in in a backup role and let's not forget wasniewski's age either i mean he's well into his 30s by this, this is point true. that he's not you know the same kid that came out of central catholic high school uh and went <laughs> you know got drafted in the nfl he's he's mm-hmm. been around the block and it's great to have a veteran guy like that you know in your line room that can help some of these young guys develop, but he doesn't necessarily need to be a starter, but he's there in case either anyone goes down or someone's play falters that he can step in and just hit the ground running and go. So Ben, and I'll let you uh, pick up where Ian's leaving off there. Uh, Does this say anything negative or positive about, you know, uh, Kevin Dotson, the rookie about Derwin Gray, I mean, or is this just Mike Tomlin being Mike Tomlin and we're going to go with what we know? I think it's a bit of that. I don't think it says anything negative about the rookies um, at all. And mm-hmm. and I, Derwin Gray, I, I know they like. They yeah. see him as a developing uh, player. I, I, I have high hopes personally for Kevin Dotson after watching more of his film after he was drafted. Jesus. Same. Oh, my God, Same. does he look powerful. Yeah. Um, 
as far as Wisniewski goes, he's only 31. He's not well into his 30s. Oh, I, I thought he was older just, than that. No, no. Yeah, I thought he was like 33. But no, he came out He came out at 21. Um, oh. So he's he's been around for a long time. He's got a lot of miles. I will say that. Yeah. But he can play center and he can play guard. And he's, you know, one of those crafty veterans that you like to have depth with. So you like to have around for depth. But he's uh he's a guy that, especially at the price they got him for less than two million a year. Mm-hmm. You know, he had to have wanted to come to Pittsburgh to play for that much money, in my opinion. Yeah, he um he of course won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia and then uh won, of course, last year's Super Bowl with Kansas City. So um it may be once he got the rings, he thought, hey, I want to go finish my career with my hometown Steelers. And and that's why he, he took the, I guess, quote unquote, hometown discount to do that. I, I think um, we we also need to look at the the situation for what it is. Mm-hmm. Tomlin can't run any camps. Nope. OK, he may see a delay to the start of training camp. He basically has to, as you put it, go with what he knows right now today because he doesn't really have an opportunity to evaluate how these new pieces fit on the team and he won't have that opportunity until much later so he kind of has to go in with a game plan and just say look this is the way it's going to be until somebody beats one of these guys out and they already know that filer's a a pretty solid right tackle Mm -hmm. they can put him back there if they need to they've got a, a fair amount of depth at guard um, so, you know, he's got to, he's got to kind of roll with things the way that they are for the time being, given the circumstances and the fact that he cannot evaluate this team until potentially even August. Yeah. It, it's gotta be frustrating. Um, and, and he, as he pointed out, he knows every head coach and every team is in a similar position, but that doesn't mean that it makes it any easier for him. He's a guy that loves training camp, and he he you could just sense kind of the frustration in his voice that he wouldn't have that. Um, and, yeah, he's going to have to make uh, some assessments a lot quicker and with a lot less uh, bodies of research, if you will, um, this year than ever before in, in terms of finding those guys. So, uh, yeah, it, it makes sense to go there. Now, Ian, you, you alluded to the body types, um, so – if if that's indeed how it goes and, and the season does start and Filer plays left guard, then that means that we have Zach Banner versus um, Chooks Korfor for the right tackle spot. Um, yes. Break it down. I, I, I'm just going to bite my tongue about what I feel about it, but go ahead. Break it down for how this thing's going to play out. So Banner was your sixth offensive lineman last year. He played – kind of played tackle on both sides, you know, kind of wherever the, the run formation needed to go. Got the the sort of cult following amongst the fan base as the, you know, 72s reporting is eligible. And um, he's done a, a great job playing that up on Twitter. But amidst all that, you know, he, he said a few very poignant things on Twitter over the offseason mm-hmm. when he was a pending free agent. He said that, you know, he would love to stay in Pittsburgh. He loves the atmosphere here. He loves Tomlin, loves the locker room, loves the fans. But he believes he's capable of being one of the 64 yeah. starting offensive tackles in the league. And that's his goal. And he wanted his agent to put him in a spot where he could, you know, compete for one of those 64 jobs. So I, the fact that he re-signed in Pittsburgh 
leads me to believe that he was I don't think he was offered the starting job, but I think he was offered the chance to compete for the starting job, which is something the Steelers will do. You know, mm-hmm. all NFL teams do it when they negotiate contracts. They say, hey, you know, you're going to have an opportunity in training camp to compete for this job. So I think Banner is definitely going to compete for the right tackle job and could win it. And I think he could do a pretty good job with it. Um, you know, the, 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 he made some really good blocks last year on the outside. Granted, playing in that sort of tight end spot's a little different than playing in the right tackle spot, Certainly. but not not so much different that it couldn't be done. And they've done that with guys in the past too, that they've, you know, started them as the the sixth lineman and then kind of slid them in. Chris Hubbard was a great Chris example. Hubbard, yeah. Yeah. He he was kind of the sixth lineman for a year and then slid into the right tackle spot and did turned it into a, a multi-year multi-million dollar contract in cleveland um who now may be replacing him because they drafted a bunch of tackles but at they, any rate they, they pretty much ruined him yeah well it's cleveland <laughs> of course they did um, so, <laughs> no he's right he's right yeah uh, uh but and, and also you have chooks for who was a third round draft pick uh two years ago and yeah. traditionally you know the Steelers have been willing to give draft picks two years and a training camp to try and prove that they can actually do something and contribute. Um, You know, guys like Gerald Hawkins who got injured twice and then got a third training camp, got hurt again and got cut. Um, Guys like um, Brian Allen, he played two years on special teams, was never able to crack um, even a a rotational cornerback spot and Mm -hmm. they, they let him go. Um, so the, the Steelers have been willing to give guys basically two years in a training camp to prove that they can stick. And Okorafor actually played really well in the game that he started last year against the Rams. Um, when he came, when he came out, we all talked about how he was a raw prospect. He was a young kid, um, but he, I think he came out as a junior too, and he was a young yeah. junior too. Soccer background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he had he had good footwork and he had the size, and it was really just teaching him. You know, we knew he needed a redshirt year the first year. Um, last year he didn't win the sixth tackle spot. Banner won it. Um, mm-hmm. But he he has sort of I'll say the pedigree, right? He's got a, with. with linemen especially with tackles it's like footwork is so key so i mean if if you have the footwork down you can make up for a lot of other mistakes with good footwork calvin beecham is a guy that absolutely comes to mind he was a seventh round pick he was Mm -hmm. undersized he wasn't that strong but he had fantastic footwork and he was just always able to get kind of between the the rusher and the quarterback and um you know in the nfl that's all you need to just be able to slow those guys up for a couple seconds and the quarterback especially with ben back there is able to get the ball out um you know, another guy who didn't look as good after he left Pittsburgh went to New York, and their quarterbacks had no idea how to throw the ball. <laughs> he he kind of got run over. Uh, or did he go to Jacksonville? He was in uh, Jacksonville though. initially, and then the Jets. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I, in fact, um, I think he's out there right now on the market. That's possible. Yeah, yeah. but he was a guy who had great footwork. So, you know, Okorafor has good footwork, but he's also got the body side. I mean, he's tall. He's got the frame for it um, that he could actually be a really good starting tackle in this league. Um, He's just got to put it all together. So we'll see where it plays out in training camp. But that's basically how I'm reading the situation is that you've got Banner against a core four. And honestly, the guy who loses it will probably wind up in that sixth tackle role. Although Mm -hmm. considering 
they now have two tight ends that they're paying a fairly significant amount of money to in McDonald and Ebron. We might see a lot more two tight end sets this year and fewer, uh, you know, extra Agreed. tackle sets. Agreed. Yeah, ben, so, you know, do the Steelers look at this just as, you know, mono mano here, or do they take in consideration, you know, where one guy was drafted versus the other guy? How, how do the Steelers approach this with these two guys fighting for that spot? Well, Tomlin frequently says, I don't care how you got here. If you're here, yeah. you're, you're going to compete. Um, I don't necessarily believe that. I think that when guys have a higher draft choice invested in them, Mm-hmm. They're given more chances. Uh, as to this battle specifically, yeah, I think it'll come down to those two guys, and nobody else will, will really get a shot there. Um, you know, Chukes is—he's still only twenty-two. He's People, very young guy. Yeah, yeah he'll he'll be twenty-three in August. He's you know, and this is his third season. He is a very young player still to this point. Um, and yeah, Banner did okay last year in particular as a run blocker. And honestly, that's all he was ever asked to do because, you know, basically he came in as that guy, that extra tackle on heavy rundowns and, you know, told the defense that we were going to run the ball. And, uh, you know, very, very infrequently was it a pass play when he was in the in the game. Mm-hmm. And he did fine. I don't like him as a tackle. I think he's stiff. Um I don't think he necessarily will win that competition as so many people seem to think. Uh, right. He just, I just don't see the footwork, the lateral agility, the body control you like from a tackle. He's tall. Um, that, you know, he's six, eight. If you're six, eight, you got to be a real agile guy yeah. to, to play tackle in the NFL. Uh, Cause they'll just run underneath you. Uh, he's not as technically sound as like an Al Villanueva. Who who was really... his dad, Banner? Um, his, his dad was a starting tackle. I can't think of his name though. Uh, Ian, who was it? You remember? Uh, well, did uh, on, they sorry, I should have gotten. They don't have a real solid relationship. Right, right. I, I yeah, Lincoln and... Kennedy. Lincoln so, Kennedy, that's right. Yeah, that's right. we played for the Seahawks. Okay, so Chooks, yep. um, four. I was told last year that they were going to give him every opportunity to win that right tackle job. It was supposedly a three-man competition between Banner, Chooks, and Filer. Well, Filer walked away with it because he'd already played it and yeah. was yeah. solid in the role, and they were just like, yeah, we're just going to leave it the way it is. It's fine. Uh, and it was fine. I, I, I had no problem with the decision. But basically, they want Chukes to win the job. They're not going to give it to him, but they want no. him to win it because they see him as the left tackle of the future when Al is done. And they want him to get more playing time and more experience. But the only way he's going to get that is if he wins that job. They're not just giving it to him. No. So he'll get the opportunity, in my opinion, he'll get the opportunity first to win or lose that job. And it'll depend on whether or not he rises to the occasion. And, you know, what we saw last year in August was not real impressive. It was a struggle. He's got to do better than that. If he doesn't, then, you know, Banner will win the, win the job. I, I, especially versus speed rushers, I am not a fan of Banner sitting out there by himself. I'm just not a fan of that at all. Um, 
Ian alluded to the, the potential for more double tight end mm-hmm. formations. That's going to mean that he's not going to have an extra guy sitting out there, you know, helping him contain right. that speed rusher. And that is, I don't know if that's a place I really want to see Banner. Where he's I, I, gonna protect a guy that you yeah. know that is thirty-eight years old. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Um, I, I like the young man. I think he's a great guy. I think he's done a terrific job, kind of reshaping his body. Um, this was a guy, you know, four hundred pounds at one point, and and you know, I I, I just utmost respect. But I'm with you. I think he, yeah, he, he, stiffness is what I see, and that's what worries me uh, against those speed rushers that you're talking about. I should uh, point out that I, I've been told that he's down to 343. I, I've heard 340s and maybe lower. Um, but but considering where he was, 343 is pretty damn impressive. <laughs> he was 360 when he joined the team. And okay. the guy is 6'8". He was, at one point, he was four bills. Yeah. You know, so he, he's working his ass off for the opportunity. And, yeah, you know. It would be great from my standpoint if he proves me wrong and he he turns out to be oh for sure a, a technically sound tackle who can get in there. I know he can run block. I'm not concerned about that. Nope. What I'm concerned about is his is his pass blocking. And out there on your own versus a speed rusher, who chances are is going to be six inches shorter than you. Mm-hmm. He's going to have a natural leverage advantage. And if you're a stiff sitting out there trying Forget to block it. him one on one, he's going to beat you. Yeah. The Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast is presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. They serve Broward County and the southern Palm Beach counties. Whether it's commercial, residential, multifamily, or condos, contact Deck Roofing today by visiting deckroofing.com. And we'll shift gears a little bit here, guys. And uh, it's not something really any of us want to address, but unfortunately, it's it's an elephant in the room, and um, it's going to be part of the season. Whether oh, uh, we, this is the we, part where Mark admits that he drinks icy light mango. Damn it! Uh, for the record, would somebody send me some because I've never <laughs> had it, but I I just keep playing as I have. Uh, but now I want to try it. Uh, in any case. Uh, Come visit not, me. I'll buy some. And we'll drink yeah, it I, I come visit you. I'll be, yeah, drive five hours to get icy mango light. The wife would love that <laughs> rationale. <laughs> Where have you been the last five hours? You mean ten hours? Because I got to come back. Um, <laughs> well, you can spend the night. You can babysit my kids. It'll be great. Oh, that, lovely, lovely. Yeah, I'll give you and the missus a night out. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then when you guys get back, I'm duct taped to the wall. Uh, <laughs> holy cow. Uh, Tomlin this week, uh, in his comments did say that he does know that there will be Steelers, uh, who, who will participate in some form of political demonstration. Um, and I, I think this is drastically different than where we were in 2017. Um, when of course they had the miscommunication of things that went on in Soldier Field, Chicago, and, and Al came out of the tunnel and stood for the the anthem while the rest of the team stayed in the tunnel. And um, again, guys, I don't want to belabor it too long, but uh, I would think Ian, the hope is that this team discusses this um, gets everybody on the same page and then goes from there and does what is they're going to or not going to do and and then gets down to football. Um, Where, where are you? What do you think in, in regards to this? 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you referenced the incident that happened in Chicago, and that was a case where the intent was good, yeah. but the execution yeah. was terrible, which unfortunately could be said about a lot of things for the Steelers, particularly offensively over the last few years, that the intent was good, but the execution <laughs> was just terrible. Um, but aside from ripping on my own team, you know, they had said before that, um, you know, before that game, they had a lot of lengthy, in-depth, yeah. you know, man-to-man conversations in the locker room about a lot of stuff and kind of came to a consensus as a group. I thought it was a, it was a really good example of sort of the, the locker room leadership, the older guys, Ben, Cam Hayward, Al Villanueva, all kind of stepping up and, you know, letting everyone in the room, the, at least the way they talked about it and the way mm-hmm. Tomlin mentioned it, you know, they they had a plan and they had talked about it all week with each other you know it wasn't the coach's plan it was the player's plan the players came up with this is what we want to do um and then they just you know the the plan was that they were all going to come out into the tunnel and just wait in the tunnel until the anthem was played and then come onto the field and what happened was they were you know they were walking out and some of them stopped walking and Villanueva (laughs) kept walking a few more steps forward but then the cameras made the you know the, the depth perception in a, a two oh, yeah. the camera made it yep. seem like Villanueva was the only one standing out there and um that he was standing in front of his whole team and, and all that so um the the but the way they came up with the plan was exactly what they should do they should have honest open conversations in the mm-hmm. locker room and come to an agreement that you know everyone's on board with that they can support each other and you know if if some players decide that they would like to um, make a some kind of political demonstration um that you know that's within their rights to do and mm-hmm. they can do it and um you know hopefully that they're able to have those conversations, um, you know, sort of man to man, brother to brother and right. um, grow, actually grow closer as a team because of it and not have it be something that divides the locker room and splits the team apart. Yeah, that, that, that's well said. Uh, ben, do you, do you see anything different than what Ian was just saying? Do you, do you have a different take? Uh, I, I'm not concerned about them being able to have open conversations because mm-hmm. you've, you've, you hear guys talk about, specifically political conversations and conversations based in race um, in the Steelers locker room. Yeah. And they're already a pretty open team. Um, the new guys are, are going to have to adapt obviously, but the guys that have been there for a long time already do that. So I'm not super concerned about it. What I am a little concerned about is there will definitely be guys who embrace this, trend toward political demonstration yeah during the anthem specifically Mm -hmm. and i'm concerned that somebody might get their feelings hurt i'm not worried about alvi nueva oddly enough i mean he's he's already talked about it he's like you know i i know how a lot of these guys feel yep they've been very direct and honest with me i understand what it's about it's not about what what people are making it about it's not about Mm -hmm. the troops it's not about the police or the first responders it's not about any of that you know, excuse me. It is about the police. Yeah, yeah, not, I know what you not, meant with the it's troops. It's not about the flag, but it's not. You know, yeah. it's it's not about the disrespecting the flag or the troops. It's about the way that people of color are treated, and and that that's using Al's words. I, right. I'm not gonna yep chime in on this right now, no. but um, so I'm not concerned about him. But you know, I 
I can't say that Al speaks for everybody on the team. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't, and I'm I'm not gonna try to. I don't know how the other 62 guys, including the practice squad, might yeah. feel about it, seeing some of their teammates, you know, do it. And I, I don't think that everybody is going to participate. I think that some guys will and some guys won't. Yep. I, um, I just hope that guys that, that don't understand that the guys that, that do so are not trying to do anything despite the guys that don't. And that the guys that actually partake don't um, don't believe that if you do not participate in this demonstration, that you do not that you're racist. Okay, let's just yeah. say it. All right, yeah. because yeah. that seems to be the trend right now is that people attack one another, at least on social media and, and yeah. even in public, by saying, you know something that i'm passionate about you haven't even mentioned it you're a bad person yeah where the hell did the right to free thought go when (laughs) when did we when were we supposed to become conformist to one side or the other black or white you know this is a binary issue you have to say yes or no no i'm sorry you have to allow people to think for themselves that's the only way they're actually going to be convinced of your point anyway if they accede to the point that you're making under duress. Are they actually convinced? No, they're not. They're doing it because they feel like they're threatened. They don't have a choice if they don't do it. They're racist. That is just that to me is the thing that I'm concerned about. That that's the the crux of it right there. Is that it, it will create a divide? I know yeah. it's going to create a divide within the league. I just don't want it to happen within my favorite team. Right. No, I, I, I'm with you, and I, I think it's going to go right back to, and, and Ian alluded to it as well, it's going to go back to leadership. It, you know, Ramon Foster's gone. He's not there anymore. Um, so it is going to fall on Cam Hayward. It's going to fall on Marquise Pouncey and Ben, um, and, and they're going to have to understand there are different viewpoints. They're going to have to take all of that into account and then still be able to have an understanding of what's going to happen and what's not. And, you know, Tomlin is pretty hands-off with these things. And, uh, you know, um, I'm hopeful that whatever decision is made, that it's just a a team decision and they go with it and that's the end of it. Um, Because, yeah, we we don't want it to linger as it's going to with other teams and across the league and and everything else and and so on and so forth. But um, I I did also want to just talk briefly that, uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger was part of a – a forum this past weekend. Um, it was kind of in conjunction with Mike Toblin's uh, Urban Impact Group, and um, it, Tunch was involved, of course. Tunch, uh, uh, his faith is very, very important to him, and you know the, the the topic was being a better father and and better man and and things like this. And you know whether or not Ben knew that this stuff was going to uh, get out of the forum or not doesn't matter, but he said that he had had some issues of alcoholism or alcohol addiction and porn addiction and, and, you know, things like this. And, you know, I, I, I don't mean to make too much light of it, but you know, porn addiction, I guess that's like 98% of men from what I'm told. Um, but I, I, I don't know, Ian, in our last few minutes here was, was it, fair to him that it got out or should he have not said this in a, in a, in a forum where it could have anyway? What, what did you think? 
Um, uh, I'll answer your second question first. Um, I I think it was a a good statement for him to make. I mean, people with, you know, his platform, his popularity, especially in the city of Pittsburgh, um, you know, I mean, it's been pretty well publicized that, you know, he's a dad of three kids and, um, all the, and his past indiscretions have been publicized too. And and personally Mm -hmm. as a father, you know, I appreciate him making comments like this, especially in a forum where he's talking to specifically other dads, like it was on a father's day. Um, and it was part of a, you know, sort of outreach to, to fathers about how to be better fathers, better family men. And really, mm-hmm. that's what he was doing. You know, he was talking about, hey, I went through these struggles. I had these vices. And um, but it also shows it's possible to overcome them. Um, so uh, like for the crowd he was talking to, I think it was the right message saying, you know, hey, uh, I'm a, you know, highly influential, highly popular guy. And you know, I struggled with this stuff. And if any of you are struggling with it, like, you know, it's, it's, you can do it. It's possible to get through it. And, and, you know, encouraging people to be better fathers, better family men is, is never a bad thing at all. So it was a, a sort of rare moment of openness on Ben's part that he's not usually that open about his personal life. Um, so I, I thought in the forum, it was a, a good statement to make um, the question of whether or not, you know, it should have gotten out. Um, you know, I read that, this year, the the forum you know, discussion kind of happened via Zoom rather yeah. than like in person in a conference center. So, you know, you make statements like that in person in a conference center at a ticketed event. There probably isn't very much media there. If you make it on a Zoom meeting, you know, everyone or anyone can record it. Anyone can tweet about it. Anyone, you know, media members could get access to it. So it's, it's a little bit different, but I, I don't have a problem with him making those statements. Yeah. And, and, and Ben, before we wrap up, what what was your take on it? I didn't really have a problem with it. Um, based upon what I've told, Ben might have chosen a better word than addiction. Um, mm. And that's just from people that, that know him. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like Ben decided that he was doing some things that were harmful and not beneficial to his family. And so he stopped and he, he credits his faith with that realization. Great. Cool. Right. But, maybe he shouldn't have used the word addiction because he hasn't received treatment for any of these things. He just stopped. So cool. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, uh, I, I think the, the old saying is we all have something that, that is a vice or something like that. And, you know, I think he, I thought he made some really good points that athletes are often put under this microscope that they're supposed to be, 100% focused on their athletic job all the time and, and that they're, they're not supposed to have uh, problems outside of that. And, and as the three of us know, that's, that's not true. Uh, they're, they're humans. They're, they're people that have emotions. And as we've seen over the last several weeks with, with the uh, things going on after the death of George Floyd and stuff too, we, we know that. So um, I, I'm grateful it didn't get nearly as much media attention as I feared it would. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of rival fans who will bring it up when the time comes, but I'm not really overly worried about it either. Um, that will wrap it up for this edition of the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated. Make sure you stop by the website, steelcityblitz.com, and check us out on Twitter at SCBlitz and, of course, facebook.com slash steelcityblitz and all that stuff. And, um, As stuff unravels, we will be here to discuss it with you. And uh, for Ben and for Ian, this is Steel Dad signing off. And hey, go Steelers. Ravens suck.